Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs. Um, this is our, this is what, our eighth episode now, or? I, I think this is our eighth episode. Wow. We've made it, we've made it to the eighth episode. With our I can, I, I can't see out of my left eye, but I can hear through time now, so we're good. I, I mean, to say that we've made it to the eighth episode, especially after surviving Dot and the Kangaroo, is saying oh. a lot. So, as a matter of fact, my co-host here, Andrew Farmer, he came here by way of pouch and a red kangaroo, so... Well, and then and then that kangaroo probably died. Yes, <laughs> but I know, but I ate way too much of the uh, of the knowledge food. So kangaroo. So now I'm kangaroo. I, I, I know all kinds of things. I know all kinds of things. I know square roots of, of stuff. Um, what else do you want to know? I can tell you. Uh, I, I know, like. No Russian whatsoever. Um, <laughs> well done. Did, did they ever find a successful series for Ellen Claghorn? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, with this episode, this is this is a, a unique episode compared to the rest of them that we've done because. The movie that we're discussing in this one, Robot Jocks, is actually enjoyable. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see how it's aged, but Andy and I have actually seen this movie. Uh, so God, have we? So, so it's not like we're going in blind on this one, but the, but at the same time, it's been. I mean, how long has it been since you've seen Robot Jocks? All right. So when did it? So it came out in nineteen ninety. 8990, right? Yeah. When did it hit? Do we know when it hit um, VHS? I'm guessing we don't, do we? Probably shortly after it was in the theaters, because I actually remember seeing it in the theaters, and because uh, I was like, okay, I saw the trailer, and I and you know, stupid kid me was like, ooh, fighting robots. Um, but I think, God, when did it come out? It came out in ninety. So I'm gonna, ma- I'm gonna say that I saw Probably it 91. in ninety one, ninety three. Probably was was when I when I saw it was in 1993 was the was the and I would say the last time I saw it was in 94. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been since the 90s since I've seen it all. So like I said, I remember going to the theater to see it and then um, some friends of mine. uh, One night we were just watching cheesy films and robot jocks was one of the films we picked in blockbuster to watch Um, oh yeah god yeah so like that's that's the best thing about this movie is i remember riding my bike to uh hollywood video and renting this (laughs) based solely on box art oh yeah and this might be the only movie that I bought that I rented. Now, now, kids, there was a time period when you rented VHS tapes <laughs> on and, purpose. And my God, the box art was fantastic. Um, so this might be the only movie that I rented based solely on the box art that lived up to the box art. <laughs> I would I would say that's probably true. I I mean to 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 remind ourselves of the um, 
the basically the uh, the tagline for the movie, the ultimate killing machine, part man, part metal, two men, two machines, too wild. That's that's a really long tagline, by the way. <laughs> but but the thing about this movie is, and okay, I'm gonna. This is going to be a controversial s- statement. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to preface this by saying. In the Western world, there are so many movies conceptually that owe so much to robot jocks that you have no idea. Like anything involving a giant robot fighting another anything, if it came out in the West, not in the East, I'm not talking about Gundams and and all of that, that, that influenced this. And then this went on to influence your... Your Pacific Rims, and as Roy po- po- pointed out <laughs> off mic earlier, your Atlantic Rims, <laughs> and and anything involving a guy climbing in a robot and fighting somebody, but that guy is either a dude, uh, bro, a, a bro, <laughs> yes, that, that guy, that guy's either Vin Diesel, The Rock, or um, or uh, um, uh, I can't. I, I'm going to go with Ming Tsai. I can't remember the last one. Um, then it owes a large debt of gratitude to robot jocks. And, it, it, and that is the thing. I mean, because, yes, shows like Neon Evangelion and and Macross Plus and Robotech and all them, I those inspired apparently robot jocks. And, you know, robot jocks then went on to make um, these other movies, and it's... I can't believe I'm hearing myself say that a movie made by Charles Band was influential, because it's Charles fucking Band. Um, the mo- one of the most shameless men in, in the entertainment industry. And what kills me also with this movie is, is not just because it was considered an influential film, and God knows why, um... But Charles Band managed to talk one of the most influential horror directors ever, Stuart Stuart Gordon, into directing this science fiction movie. Now, for those who don't know who Stuart Gordon is, he directed Reanimator. He directed Castle Freak. He directed Dolls, three very high-influential horror films of the 1980s. And then he goes on to make science fiction and it was one of those type of things that made the horror community turn their head like a dog hearing a, a dog whistle and go, huh, when it happened. Because you just, you, you just wouldn't expect him to do something like this, <laughs> basically. But what we got in response, and keep it uh, for given value, okay? Let's, let's start there. For given value. What else came out in 1990? Oh God! Uh, well, <laughs> well, our producer so Chris came out in nineteen ninety. Uh, producer Chris. Um, well, in nineteen ninety, we. Well, what's interesting though is that this movie came out in nineteen ninety, but it was actually made in nineteen eighty seven, and then shelved until nineteen ninety. Really? Yes. Um, so so yeah, it, it it was shelved for about. Three, three to four years before it finally got released in the theaters. Um, well, I mean, so let's look at 87. 
seven, we had RoboCop, Predator, right? Mm-hmm. We had, um, God, Inner Space. We should do Inner Space. Good really? Lord. <laughs> Talk about a turd quack. Um, what I'm saying is the special effects in this movie, because of because Stuart Gordon was coming at it from a different angle than a lot of science fiction or science fiction action movies, I think they hold up, or at least they held up at that period of time. I didn't watch it and think, oh, I'm watching uh, Battle Between the Stars. Uh, you know, I was like, this is a decent movie. Like, this is a, a, a pretty big blockbuster-style movie. Well, I didn't know who Stuart Gordon was at the time. But. Yeah, but it was up against, in that 90s, some more stiffer competition. I mean, when, you, when you're talking about special effects movies, that was the same year we got Total Recall. Um, also, that came uh, other films that came out that year um, were Die Hard 2, Pretty Woman, Home Alone, Goodfellas, Jacob's Ladder, Back to the Future Part 3, Darkman, Tremors, Dick Tracy... Arachnophobia, The Witches, Child's Play 2, and House Party. Um, oh, well, so, okay. Hang and, it up. No, nothing, nothing, does, nothing does battle with House Party. But we also got RoboCop 2 that year as well. So the, so the sequel to RoboCop came out that year. Uh, it's, it's interesting that it was you know up against RoboCop 2. Oh, and also we got Jetsons, the movie, that incredibly animated movie where they replaced uh, the voice of daughter Judy with Tiffany. Uh, I remember that. Speaking of Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany always comes back around. <laughs> um, but for those who are not familiar with RoboJocks, uh, Robot Jocks is definitely a product of its time. It's interesting that it wasn't released until 1990 because it definitely does feel like a 90s movie. Yes, because uh, it's got the the '90s action aesthetics to it. It's got a very '90s cast featuring uh, Gary Graham, uh, who was known at the time for the television series Alien Nation. Right, and um, he, I mean, he did not only the television series, but he did all of the uh, spinoff movies that came out and everything. And he also had uh, connections on Star Trek Voyager as well. So he was steep into 90s uh, science fiction television. Uh, We also had another 90s staple with Anne-Marie Johnson. Yeah. uh, um, Who was, uh, well, I mean, she really got her start in the late 80s with Hollywood Shuffle, but then she became famous for the Robert Townsend and his partners in crime um, comedy specials that, that was done on HBO, and she was also on In the Heat of the Night. And you know what? Just for the hell of it, we also throw in Jeffrey Combs because it's, <laughs> because you can't yeah, you can't do a Stuart Gordon movie without Jeffrey Combs. The DiCaprio to uh, to uh, <laughs> Gordon Scorsese. <laughs> And, and because we need to have a, a veteran actor in the movie, we get a, a veteran actor of 1970s and 80s television by the name of Paul Coslow. Ah, Paul Coslow, baby. I was hoping <laughs> we were going to Paul. And we cast uh, him as the evil, as the evil Russian um, after you know playing some bad guy roles on, on, on like Hunter and Dallas and the Fall Guy and T.J. Hooker. I, he, he was definitely a go-to for foreign bad guy 
on television <laughs> during yes. during the seventies and the eighties. So it's like, okay, well let's let's give you another bad guy gig and um, we'll make you play this Russian. Well, it was very much in the same vein as a Rocky. You know, it, it, it played on the Cold War fears where you had, you know, the, Amer- the the brash American robot pilot fighting the stalwart, stoic, um, badass Russian. I will uh, break you. Yes. Yeah. Very much the same as 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 any of those would go. And um, and the effects were pretty Good considering. I thought it was pretty... When I watched it the first time, I thought it was pretty novel. Well, and the thing is, is the reason why the special effects, especially for its time... I mean, I, I, I mean, here was here was Total Recall inventing brand new special effects. And, I mean, it got the Oscar for really pushing the what you could do with stop motion and everything else. Yeah. I mean, and with what... Stuart Gordon... Not, not Stuart Gordon, but... Um, um, what's his face? Um... God, I forget his name. Charles Band. He's no stranger to stop motion animation. I mean, he's used it in the Puppet Master movies. He's used it in yeah. uh, Laser Blast um, and a couple of other films. But he 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 really made it look like um, the Ed the Ed two thousand from RoboCop mm-hmm. in its style, and that's because this was actually. <laughs> and there's a very important reason for me to bring this up too. It's also it's it's one of his most expensive films at the time ever made. It, for technically released nineteen ninety, but made in nineteen eighty seven, the film cost ten million dollars. This which, film, yes, which oh my god, for an independent movie in nineteen eighty seven, yes. was a big deal. Um, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's like imagine if uh, to to kind of make it um, relevant to the youngins out there. Um, imagine if it follows was had a budget of a hundred million dollars. That yes, that's very very so you're nail on the head with yeah. that. And it's interesting that I that I say that is because this film is also the one that's responsible for financially bankrupting Charles Band Studio Empire <laughs> Empire Films uh, because while the film cost ten million dollars to make. And his he was bleeding and hemorrhaging uh, funds with Empire uh, Films. This movie only made one point three million dollars in the box office, so it was a fart in the dust. And there's a good reason why it was a fart in the dust because it was released up against Home Alone. Oh yeah, you don't you don't make that call. Yeah. You know. So so Macaulay Culkin killed this movie. So. Um, and it's a shame because honestly, I think this would have been one that audiences would have just had a blast watching in the theater. If, well, if, if it, memory serves me right, did it clean up anything in the aftermarket? Um, like, did it did it clear anything overseas or in the aftermarket or anywhere else? Not really. And I mean, this was back at a time when um, overseas tickets were not that important to. Hollywood. I mean, they, it was more of the how is this doing here? Uh, they could care less about the overseas market. I think it finally developed a cult following when it was not only released on VHS, but more or less the birth of the Sci-Fi Channel 
uh, Sci-Fi Channel in its in its early days was you know looking for and desperate for anything and everything sci-fi related, and they got their hands on this film, and sure enough, you know, like a lot of cult films do, repeat showing on the Sci-Fi Channel got people to watch it, and the rest is history. I mean, now. It is, like I said, it is considered an influential film. Um, uh, just some of the things that we're seeing here. Trent Reznor admitted to um, sampling sounds from the movie for his uh, song The Becoming from the Downward Spiral. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Guelmo del Toro said that Pacific Rim was definitely inspired by this. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, some, some people have called Pacific Rim... Uh, robot jocks and Godzilla on steroids. See, it, it it shares a lot with Pacific Rim, though. Mm -hmm. And I know we're going to get into it more when we actually do the movie. It's you know the the film itself. Again, I haven't watched it since I watched it initially, but it's I, I remember it, and and maybe I'm remembering it too fondly. <laughs> Wait, which happens a lot with like, nostalgia. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but. But it shares a lot with this. Like, that's all I'm saying. Well, another interesting bit is is because Andy and I, we purposely bought this movie. Yes. Um, I mean, because it, it is one of, the, it's one of those movies where even if the movie is bad, I know I have fond memories of it. I mean, I have a film that honestly is a terrible movie, The Relic, with uh, Penelope. <laughs> I love that movie. With Penelope Ann Miller. <laughs> but... The only reason why I own this movie is is because um, a friend of mine, uh, her name is Cindy, uh, her and I went to go see the movie in the theater with a couple of other friends, and there was barely anybody in the theater, and five minutes into the film, we knew we were watching a piece of shit, and so we were actually riffing the movie there in the audience while watching it, and what was great was after the movie was over, the other three people that were in the audience with us came up to us afterwards and were thinking... Oh shit! We're gonna get chewed out, and they said, "Thank you for making the movie actually enjoyable." It was a bad movie. I love the really book. Bad not movie. not to take it too far aside, but I love the uh, the book and the books, the sequel, the Reliquary. Um, the movies were good. God, just yeah. the worst. Yeah, I remember. I remember sitting there watching it, and Cindy leaned over to me and was like, "This was a hit book." <laughs> So. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I mean, we didn't do that with RoboJocks because I didn't go with them to go see RoboJocks. Uh, I we my my friends and I we saw RoboJocks on Sci-Fi Channel, and uh, and also rented it, and it was one of those ones that you know was a, a just a pure escapism film. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it did you know eventually develop its its cult following. It was released on Blu-ray from Shout Factory, and what's interesting as is, all good cult movies are. <laughs> what's interesting is is that they actually the version that we're that we're about to watch. There's going to be probably some stuff that we may not remember in it, uh, Andy, because I found out that this is the PG-13 cut of the movie, and back then they wanted to put butts in the seat with the PG rated movie. So RoboJocks, really? yeah, so RoboJocks when it was released in 1990 was rated PG and was trimmed down so it wouldn't get a PG-13 rating. So Interesting. we're actually going to be watching the director's cut for the first time. All right. 
where today um, it's I'm more where, where like today it's more like okay let's trim it down to a pg-13 so we can avoid an r rating so the cycle continues <laughs> or, I'm so i'm so ready for this like I've been ready for this for the last twenty years. I just never had a reason. I never had a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, like nobody ever, nobody ever came to me and said we should watch Robot Jocks again. <laughs> <laughs> so, like when the, when I was pretty insistent that this be one that we cover when we do this. Like I was like, you can bury me in shit for the next nine. M- two hour segments of my life. <laughs> but at some point we have to do robot jocks. And I'm, I'm really glad that you, that we're going to go on this journey. And I really hope that for us and for everybody out there, if they want to go on this journey with us, that it holds up oh, yeah. to what it was when we watched it, when we were, God, I don't know, young, 16, 15 years old for young, me. Young. Let's just say that young. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 either it will have held up in its fun level or the movie is now so bad that it's, it, it'll be like The Room. So bad that it's good. Well, let's make some predictions. Okay. Since we've both seen it, right? Let's make – what do you think? Do you think it's going to hold up or do you think it's going to come full circle or do you think it's just going to hit unwatchable? Oh, I, I don't think it's going to hit unwatchable. I think it's going to be a glorious, bloody – train wreck that's so much fun to watch just based on the the russian stereotypes alone uh because i remember the russian villain being uber russian in this movie and i mean more than ivan draco and (laughs) and rocky four and with what's going on today in our present climate with russia i think that's just going to amp that up just the whole cheesiness of the of the russian um i guess do you call the mech suit boxer or whatever the hell they are um just lean into it just yeah. just <laughs> i think it's i think that element is going to make me giggle like a girl at a uh concert for uh harry styles or something i don't know uh, <laughs> so so you think that that it, the the Russian stereotypes are going to be so are, are going to go so far over the edge, over the ledge that it's going to it's going to go from cringy to laughable, funny, funny, and then kind of back again. I, I'm I'm expecting the Russian equivalent to Tommy Wiseau at this point. That's what I'm right. expecting, um, and, and I'm just expecting just pure cheesy early '90s machismo from. The whole thing, basically, like with Atlantic Rim, uh, when I when I called uh, Atlantic Rim "Dude Bro" the movie, I'm, that's what I'm expecting from this. Also, I'm expecting this this film where they wanted to get someone like Bruce Willis or Arnold Schwarzenegger, and instead got that guy from Alienation. How, yeah, how far <laughs> down the list do you go before you land on the guy from Alienation? <laughs> like okay um ray liotta is okay well no he's got that goodfellas movie coming out let's not go against that um okay yeah let's just go with that alienation guy that'll work like well well the alien 
Asian guy called. God, okay. Let's just, <laughs> he's been calling every day for three years. Let's just give him this one. Well, it's either this or Matthew Broderick. Uh, let's go with the alienation cool. guy. I'm now picturing this whole movie with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> this whole thing. Just Matthew Broderick fighting in a giant robot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And all of a sudden, the robot starts tab dancing, singing, I want to be a producer. Right. <laughs> well, Andy, Actually, are runs you... into somebody and kills him. Yes. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Sorry. And the and the robot marries a horse faced woman. Yes, I went there. It would be like Pacific Rim if the uh, kaiju and the um, the what were they called in that movie? Uh, the oh, the mechs or whatever. Yeah, whatever called. the mechs are. Um, if they fell in love. <laughs> Did someone say rim? <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of rim. Oh, I'm I mean, sorry. I, do I was, you I was think like... that Matthew Broderick just carries sugar cubes in his pocket? <laughs> <laughs> Here, Sarah, want a treat? <laughs> no, get in the car, Sarah. Get in the car. Harder. <laughs> All right, Andy, you ready to um, re relive some e memories of high school? <laughs> and... I'm so ready. I'm so, I feel like I'm back on my banana seat, huppy, riding down to the Hollywood video next to the subway. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. All right, let's dive into the world of Charles Band and Stuart Gordon's Robot Jocks. a new age of combat. Human beings, genetically engineered to be the best fighters in history. Two champions. It isn't over until someone wins. <laughs> At war with each other. Kill it! I have already killed you. Two invincible men. Let's finish it, Alexander. Here now. The ultimate killing machines. I'm gonna get in this thing! And I'm gonna kick your... talking about one of the characters in the movie named Tex and yeah when he when he said Jap I was like oh my god and then I, when he said Jap again yes. 
<laughs> he kept calling the scientist, the inventor scientist, or the the robot jock me uh, mechs. So he, he was from Japan, so he kept calling him Jap. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, that's rough. That's rough. How do you? How do you, me being a uh, honorary Texan and you being a full Texan, <laughs> um, guy named Tex. Call, it's like, mm, mm, yeah. I was yeah. I was honestly waiting for him to sell me a used car because he came <laughs> he came off as a as a typical Texan used car salesman. I was waiting for him to give Elvis three bumps of coke and tell him to get out there and make him a, a peanut butter banana sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up the colonel or boss hog. <laughs> Come on down, meet my dog Spot, and get some free barbecue while you shop for this 1978 Pinto. Yeah, you know, it's what I was Tonight, waiting for. Tie signed by Nolan Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> he oh was, God, I feel good though. He was the most stereotypical character in, in that movie which well, is saying a lot considering difficult than the russian was, was more, exactly um this guy sounds like he's ready for some football <laughs> he is in prepared for football yes. are you prepared for some football <laughs> yeah he is ready for the the cowboys to go at it and lose another game so he would oh. be least likely to take a knee <laughs> yes he's least likely to take a knee well, so so welcome to Sports Talk with three people that absolutely should not be talking about sports. Uh, so, I am so, cleansed, Roy. You're cleansed? I have been cleansed in the baptismal fires of robot jocks. The hellscape Mobius strip that you have put me through for the past seven episodes, I feel... I feel like a phoenix risen from the ashes because let me tell you, I am a fighting robot in the streets and I'm judo in the shield. <laughs> you know what? This movie did seem like a, a palate cleanser because, uh, yeah, there's definitely elements in the movie. We'll get into those elements that are dated. Besides, you know, referring to him as a Jap. I mean, but at the same time, it's still a fun movie. I couldn't believe how well that element has held up for this film. It really has. It's weird that I'm going to refer to this movie as a Becky in our catalog of movies when I <laughs> never have referred to this movie as basic before now. <laughs> after what you've put me through, after the waterboarding I've been through with animated kangaroos and my Rebecca <laughs> This is this is a basic like like I was like oh eighty four minutes oh a tight story oh it kind of makes sense it's jacked there's a room that shakes and it's a death trap that we're just gonna put some uh, two babies in see if they survive <laughs> but other than that yeah all right I'm good with this yeah it actually had a it actually had a cohesive plot and yes it was true to what it was I see I honestly didn't for the movie at the time I didn't see the the text turn coming. I thought it was going to be somebody else. I thought they were going to make somebody else the villain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're talking about an eighties movie, you know, in the, in sort of in the, uh, I guess the waning hours of the cold war. And um, I, I never expected him to make text a bad guy. I expected him just to be the trope the entire movie. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was, 
I'm in. Yeah, it was, I, I, I feel good. I feel prepared for whatever shit you throw at me next. <laughs> what amazed me about this movie is, is that here was this movie that, as I mentioned before, it was made in 1987, but it didn't get released in theaters until 1990. Yet it felt exactly like an early 1990s science fiction movie. It really did. Yeah. I, yeah, it amazed me that it made it to the movie theaters at all. That's yeah. what amazes me. <laughs> <laughs> and going up against Home Alone while at it. Well, and there's nobody, there's no names in this movie. Oh, no. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, I'm shocked. I thought that this was a directed to VHS movie. No, it got a theatrical release. It did. Oh. Yeah. Wow, that's shocking to me. Well, you know, they that, were hoping to rely on all those fans of Alienation and, uh, Fans of Robert Townsend and his partners in crime with Anne Marie Johnson. Um, <laughs> maybe if they would have announced to all the straight guys that you finally get to see her butt in the movie, that well, may- <laughs> then maybe they would have went to go see it. <laughs> I was shocked there were there weren't any boobies. I remember vividly there being boobies, and there were no boobies in this in this movie. No. Who makes a sci-fi Who makes a sci-fi movie in 1987 and doesn't have some boobies? <laughs> Well, I guess they wanted to go with the family audience, despite despite the fact having a battle in the movie where they like kill off an entire crowd of spectators so who are watching good. this battle <laughs> in the most horrific way possible, and like everybody involved with the sport of robots or jocks are like, eh, they're disposable. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're like, mm, whatever. Doesn't. Well, it doesn't matter why they died. Like the tribunal, the the MMA fight tribunal that they had to have. <laughs> oh my god! We're, we're, uh, I think the most impressive thing about this movie it was his car. <laughs> oh god, the, the the car that we got to see in the driving sequence where he was trying to bring it to his apartment. They couldn't yes. afford the special effects for it, so they just had the computer graphic of his remote control. <laughs> I want the entire movie to be about his car. <laughs> yeah, so I I forgot a, a bunch about what this movie was about because in in my head again, you know, this was this was for me the birth of my love of, and I think I think this was the birth of my love of kind of straight to what I figured was straight to VHS or or real limited uh, theater run like sci-fi horror movies. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the one that I can point to and say, this is where it started. But again, it had been 30 years. So there's a lot about the plot that I didn't remember. I'm like, like the fact that it had one. Uh, <laughs> or the tubies. Oh, the tubies and, and all the stuff for prenatal. This felt like a three hour movie that they cut down to 84 minutes. <laughs> like we lost a lot of world building somewhere in here. Yeah, because because I mean we had to learn, <laughs> we had we had to learn throughout it, like just gleaning on the movie that the um the, the the tubies as they called them these were fighters that were bred from um, test tubes instead of the natural way of uh, birthing children. Even though apparently in the future, the more children you have, the bigger house you get uh, automatically. Uh, <laughs> or or. Uh, transversely, if you move back in with your, I guess, sister and brother-in-law, who, uh, by the way, I'm kind of in love with brother-in-law's aesthetic. I don't know <laughs> what name, but that guy was, that guy had it, it was banging. 
that guy was banging. He was so, dude broing all over the place. I mean, God, all uh, all that was missing was a bong. That's all that was so missing with him was a bong. Yeah, he was like the uh, he was like the substitute history teacher that tells you to throw out the syllabus. Yeah, he was he he was the Matthew McConaughey of the future. He he really was. McConaughey. <laughs> so what the hell was this movie about? Well, it was a, apparently um, an hour and a half too long. <laughs> it, it was it was about apparently the nuclear war actually happened, and because of the nuclear war and all the casualties that it created, Earth decided no more wars, and any type of uh, discrepancies or fights or territory battles had to be done on a <laughs> battlefield. Rock'em Sock'em Robot style. <laughs> so funny. Like, who, how high <laughs> to be like, here's a concept for a movie. <laughs> so, it, it was, like, I love the fact that you, your favorite, what, what you wrote me the most about when you were, when you were watching this was, um, wasn't it the... Which scene was it? It was like the fight. I know my favorite part was the fight scene in the in his weird apartment dorm room. <laughs> you mean his paper wall room, the judo fight? This, yeah, judo room. And uh, my favorite thing about that room is apparently in the future, you're not allowed to have displayed appliances or plumbing. No. Everything had to be behind a, like a, like a vertical shifting door. Like, behind a rice paper wall. Like, oh, I've got a sink. It's just behind this rice paper wall. That's the future. <laughs> That's how the future works. I, I, what did you... Because what, what, you were writing me about something, and I can't remember exactly oh, what I was, was loving the fact that we... That because of the fact that they restored this movie on Blu-ray, we can now see the strings for the marionette puppets that they were using for the stop-motion animation. And it was just, like, blatantly there. They didn't even try... To hide the strings. They were there. F straight front forward. That was cracking me up. Not only the whole, you know, rock'em sock'em robots thing, but the scene when Anne-Marie Johnson as the 2 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. when she drags Alienation Guy's drunk butt home after fighting with the Russian in the bar and losing, <clears throat> he wakes up. And he's laying naked in the bed. And she's really? just Yeah, well, we don't see anything. It's PG-13. And <clears throat> you almost made me want to see this. <laughs> and she's just, you know, staring at him like, oh, hi. That, yeah, that, that, that. And they have their conversation. And then she says, I was studying your body. There's nothing special about your body. I was like, friend zoned. And then he has his, and then he has his tight five minute uh, comedy routine that he was going to take on Letterman later, where he's like checking all of his body parts. He's like, two of those, two of those, oh, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the other part that was just making me laugh so hard was, you know. Well you, well, you were talking about how and I love that you referred it to this. The decor inside the robot was all Blade Runner style with the origami. <laughs> yes, it was like the inside of that origami uh, unicorn at the end of Blade Runner. <laughs> that cracked me up when he said that. But uh, I, I love that when, because Anne-Marie Johnson's character knocks the guy from um, 
alienation out and takes over the robot to fight the Russian in the final battle. But of course, she's not qualified because she's a woman. Apparently, <laughs> and I guess that's the reason. I don't know. But well, my thing is like she's like I can do it when she just gets her ass knocked immediately. <laughs> Well, but the, my problem with that is, like, the whole subplot – okay, so the, the the B plot of the movie is there is a spy in the American robot organization that's feeding Russia all of the all of the trade secrets. So they've had to eff- effectively shut down all, all communication about, like, how they're building their robots and their weapon systems. And so they, there's they no made information her out on to the be, weapon systems. They made She's, her out to be the red herring. They really did. Yeah, there's there's no there's no um, she's never trained and fought in one of these before, and she's just like I can do it, and you're like, can you? Can you? Well, apparently not, because she got her ass kicked immediately, and I love that she's on the ground and they're screaming, they're killing her, but the robot looks like it's just punching the other robot slowly in the boob. Like, does this bother you? Does this bother like you? A boob punch. <laughs> 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 And before we get to the other moment that just made me just completely lose it, we have to talk about the training room of Doom. Uh, that's where, my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> where it was where it was to determine who was going to be the next fighter. <laughs> that is one hell of a jungle gym, let me tell you. My favorite part is, so they're prepping these tubies. To, <laughs> and the whole thing is, you gotta climb to the top of this like weird McDonald's Playland jungle gym. And whoever gets to the top first, you know, you're the next fighter. And they're like, but be careful. The room shakes a lot. And you're like, okay. And they also fail to mention that certain bars heat up to new, like, like lava hot. <laughs> other bars just disappear. Like, it's just yeah. like, other bars, other, other bars has, have the density of like chalk shavings. And, so, but what does that have to do with fighting in a robot? What does judo fighting 17 dudes have to do with fighting in a robot? What does climbing skills have to do with fighting in a robot? And, and why are you why are you fighting 17 dudes in a lycra leotard? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like uh, uh, the right material and the right outfit to be fighting 17 dudes. I mean, it would make sense if, you know, the robots that they were using to fight with like Pacific Rim would respond to your judo chopping, but it doesn't because it's all push button and everything. And it responds to the button pushing that you do. And I was just like, the, the judo training is pointless. <laughs> it's absolutely, it's filler. It's all filler because they're like, well, we need to do something. Um, well, he needs to be a badass. Yeah. So we got to show that he's a badass. So we'll judo's judo in right now. Like 13 dudes. <laughs> judo's in right now so let's do judo yeah all they did was judo like it was it was all judo (laughs) but the part that made me absolutely lose it and laugh hard was all of a sudden when they said you know what let's take this battle to space and so all and so it's like the robot turns into like this mighty morphin power ranger tank thing and flies up into space and the other guy flies up into space and they start battling in space and this is what I commented to you meanwhile Mariel Hemingway is clutching for her life to nuclear man off to the side <laughs> <laughs> because that's 
how, how, what the fuck the scene was when it just happened. I'm like, where did this come from? Well, my thing was like in the first fight they had, right? The very first fight that established the movie, because the movie starts pretty much with a robot fight over Alaska of all places. (laughs) You can have it. Um, They, um, you know, they establish. Okay, so you, you by by the way, I, I real quick, I want to mention how hilarious it is that they were fighting for the territory of Alaska in Death Valley. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they but they establish really quickly. Okay, so there are rounds. There's a round for ranged weapons, and then once that round's over, you get in close and you have your close combat fighting. Mm-hmm. Except in the second fight, when apparently there are no rules and you can fly in space and turn into a tank <laughs> and just keep shooting weapons at each other and get out and fight. Like, and, 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 and don't forget Chainsaw Dick. Oh, Chainsaw Dick, yes. Of yes, because apparently the Russian robot has a Chainsaw Dick that comes <laughs> out of nowhere. So he's literally like... He's pelvic thrusting the American robot with his chainsaw dick. It's like he's like teabagging the robot. <laughs> and I just I I'm in pain, laughing so hard at this, and I'm like, oh my god, I I never I totally brain farted that whole teabagging sequence, but there it is in all of its glory. <laughs> it's just like it's it, the movie is so weird, like. It, but it's but it's tight enough that it's cogent, mm-hmm. you know. For all of the weirdness that's in it, it is. I, I wasn't bored at all no. during the eighty-four minutes. I, I, you know, they told like an A, a B, and kind of a, a C line um, pseudo you know, love story, yeah, romance story. I guess. That's what it's called, but sure. Um, the closest tubies can get to romance, I guess. <laughs> and, and and they kept it all together. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, it, I'm not upset by that. You know, it, it was never it was never dull. It was never boring. Even though it is so dated, it's actually very fun in its datedness. Um, I would definitely recommend this movie to anybody who's just looking for a fun what the fuck slice of 90s cheese this is you cannot go wrong with this one because it definitely delivers oh it's it's nostalgia it's 84 minutes of pure nostalgia yeah and and it's great for that you know it, it, it's to remember if you're you know both roy and i subscribe to shutter um you know, both Roy and I come from a place where, you know, we spend a lot of our time digging through old VHS tapes to watch like oh, stupid, awful many movies. hours at Blockbuster Video looking for the right film. Yeah. Right. And, and if that was you, do yourself a favor and go back and watch this because it's, it's short and it's just, I, I felt joy, you know, watching it. Like I felt like a kid again watching, watching a movie that I, you know, that I found, you know, behind another box in the sci-fi section behind uh, the Alien Nation movie. And I was like, what's this? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, we don't have Robocop, but hey, what's Robot Jocks? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Life form. I've seen that five times. What's Robot Jocks? Oh, (laughs) this is what it is. (laughs) 
Well, um, the joy that we experienced revisiting robot jocks for the first time since we were young do it, Roy. will probably be murdered by our next movie. Don't, don't you do it. <laughs> for, for, for our next film, we're actually turning to television. Oh, are we? Yes. Uh, specifically, the Hallmark Hall of Fame. Oh, bring it. <laughs> Uh, this is probably one of the most notorious Hallmark Hall of Fame movies ever, not because of the subject matter or, or anything. It, it's, it's involving the acting choices of one of the main stars of the film. Uh, this film has been forgotten, but I remember in 2005 this causing a huge stink because of how this person acted in this role and because of who the person is. I am talking of the 2005 Hallmark Hall of Fame made-for-television movie, Riding the Bus with My Sister, starring Rosie O'Donnell as a mentally handicapped woman. Oh, I remember this! And Andy McDowell as her sister. Um, this film is notorious for um, Rosie O'Donnell's extremely insensitive portrayal of <laughs> mentally challenged people in America. I'm sure she thought what she was doing was going to get her the Emmy, but instead to, um, I mean, to poorly, I mean, it's the best way to say this, even though it's not politically correct to say it, to quote Tropic Thunder, you don't go full on retard. And that's exactly what she did in this movie. I remember, I remember hearing about this movie. I, I haven't seen it, so I haven't seen this one, but you know, I have. My love for, like, Lifetime movies yes. is, is only second to my love for cult, horror, and sci-fi movies. So I've seen a lot of them, but this one I, I didn't. So I'm really curious to see what happens here. See, originally I was going to go with Mother May I Sleep with Danger with Tori Spelling. Yeah. But then as I was uh, looking for this, I suddenly stumbled upon this and I went, Oh my god, I totally forgot about this movie. And I like I said, I remembered just the stink it caused. And so I was like, oh, we've got we've we've got to. And I, especially after seeing the clip of her going shopping for a toilet seat, I went, Oh, we've gotta do this movie. So <laughs> So that'll be our next film. Um, and it is available <clears throat> up on YouTube to watch. It's divided into two parts, so that way Hallmark uh, doesn't get a hissy fit about it because uh, it's hard to find their movies online to watch them. It is. Uh, well, do, do they not have their own streaming service? I thought they did. They do have their own streaming service, but I'm not paying Hallmark any of my money. Good Lord, no. <laughs> I'll go to my parents and watch it. I'm sure they own the streaming service. <laughs> so again, you can find us on Facebook if you haven't found us there yet. You can also find us on Twitter under These Films Exist. Um, and uh, tune in next time as we <laughs> look at Rosie O'Donnell acting and, um, and and witness the horror that is riding the bus with my sister. Oh, why are you doing this? <laughs> I felt so clean on the inside, and now you're, you're doing this. All yeah. right. <laughs> Talk to you all later, guys.